You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus, who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35 yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10 yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, Nasa Chobi. Welcome into another edition of Hawk Talk. Unfortunately, the Seahawks lose another one at Lumen Field, falling to the Panthers 30-24. to It was a tough game all around. Not the best game offensively or defensively. The Seahawks lose a crucial one at home. We'll waste no time. Bring my guy Michael Bumpus in. Tell him what had happened. See what had happened at first was. <laughs> What had happened was on Hawk Talk. I mentioned it was a tough game on Sunday, especially stopping the run. Those problems continued. Nothing was different as the Panthers came in the Lumen Field, got the victory. Things started off pretty rough for the Hawks. Panthers came right out the gate with a 13-play, 43-yard drive, ended up settling for a field goal. And then on the Seahawks' first offensive play, things got worse. Geno Smith was picked off by J.C. Horn in a pass intended for Tyler Lockett. Boom. Very next play, Sam Darnold finds Shai Smith for a 13-yard touchdown, making the score 10-0 bump. Not the ideal start for the Seahawks. No, nah, not the start at all, and, and nothing that we expect from Geno, especially with the year that he's having. So um, that was tough, man. But then the Hawks will have to punt on the next drive, and the Panthers say, you know what? We're going to take advantage of that. 12-play, 74-yard drive, ending with a touchdown from Chubba Hubbard. It was uh, it was tough, man. That made the score 17-0. And you're starting to think like, all right, if things don't get going here pretty quickly, this could be a blowout. But like Geno usually does, he responded. They go seven plays, 67-yard uh, drive, ending with a nice little Tyler Lockett signature toe tap end zone. That made the score 17-7. to Yeah, that's when you kind of thought things were start going their way, right? Because the Seahawks forced the Panthers to punt. Daryl Taylor gets a big sack. Things are starting to go your way. You kind of feel the momentum sliding. Then um, the Seahawks, unfortunately, in the ensuing drive, Geno Smith thought he had a free play. Panthers lineman clearly jumped off sides. The officials did not see it that way. Geno throws the ball up for grabs. Thought it was a free play. Ended up being an interception. Panthers take over. They kick a field goal, making it 20-7. to But like you said, Geno always responds before halftime. Leads the Seahawks right down the field. Nine plays, 46 yards. Ending with a 12-yard touchdown pass and a little dart to DK Metcalf. That made the score 20-14 to at the half. And this is one I thought, Bum, at halftime, you got to do your thing. I thought for sure the Seahawks were going to come out, start the second half big, take this one away. Unfortunately, start the second half okay, get a field goal, making it 20-17. to 17. That's when things got started to go bad for the Hawks, Bum. Yeah, both teams would then punt, and then the Hawks would stop the Panthers after a long 14-play, 66-yard drive on the goal line. Another moment in this game where you're like, all right, man, th- this is what's going to happen. And for some reason, the offensive coordinator for the Panthers decided to throw the ball four times on a three-yard line when they were killing us in a run game. That makes no sense, but I appreciate that because you gave us hope, man. They gave us hope. But um, the Hawks had an opportunity and did exactly nothing with it, gave it right back to the Panthers. They go 10 plays, 74-yard drive, ending with a bag-breaking touchdown from Rasheem Blackbeard, making the score 27-17. to It seemed like so many running backs touched the football and touched the end zone with this team. We didn't even see Foreman really – yeah. Go off. I felt like it was more uh, Hubbard doing his thing. But, yeah, that was tough. Yeah, and after that, the Seahawks get a touchdown late. Panthers get another field goal. But it was too little too late. Seahawks try a little onside kick. They don't get it. End up losing the game 30-24. to 
This game was dominated on the ground by the Panthers. Bump. 223 rush yards. Seahawks only had 46. Hawks turned the ball over twice. Panthers have no turnovers. Panthers have the ball for 39-16. The Seahawks only 20-44. Panthers run 72 plays. Hawks run 53. It's hard to win any game like that. The Seahawks couldn't get a rhythm offensively. It was disappointing. They couldn't get it down, unfortunately. It is what it is some days. There's going to be days like that. That's what happens. But there was a lot of guys making plays, so we'll get into that. Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. Show them what time it is! Holy catfish! Geno Smith. Not his best game, but he played well at times. Good throws, bad throws. He was 21-36 for 264 yards. Three touchdowns, two interceptions. I mentioned it, you know, not his best game, but he played. He had some really good throws, like the one to Lockett, the one to DK Metcalf. He wanted something he could have back, probably that first play of the game. The second interception was obviously tough. He thought it was a free play. Couldn't have that. There's a couple other ones that almost were picked off. But, you know, Geno still put up decent numbers, continued to streak. Seven straight games with multiple passing touchdowns, longest streak of his career, and the longest in the NFL this season. His 11 games with two touchdown passes are tops in the league, only at seven of those games his first nine seasons. So it's one of those things where Geno's a guy that he doesn't place the blame anywhere. We already talked about it, thumb on him. He still played well, just not well enough to help kind of overcome the Seahawks' struggles on defense. Yeah, and he um, he said he has to be more consistent. He said it was up and down, and he needs to have more ups than downs. That is correct, but still gave us a chance to win, honestly. Another playmaker, we got DK Metcalf, five receptions for 71 yards, one touchdown right before the half that gave you the hope, like, all right, man, things might be changing. Um, Again, Tyler Lockett has himself a, a pretty good day. Five receptions, six, 60 yards, one touchdown, his sixth straight game with a receiving touchdown. That is a franchise franchise record back-to-back games where both of these guys cross that end zone yeah i love to see it those guys are still doing their thing they're both probably me on pace for a thousand yards a season so good to see that from them marquise goodwin also added some stuff five receptions 95 yards touchdown defensively cody barton racking up them tackles 15 one pass defense ryan neal also had 11 tackles one pass defended he's kind of everywhere in that thing bruce Irvin, who chen and one sack each, just not quite enough that you needed from the defense, but there was still some guys out there making plays. We kind of touched on it a little bit, Bob. What did you see from the receivers? Man, Marquise Goodwin has been a great pickup. Like, we expected Philip Dorsett to be this guy a, a few years back, maybe even Freddie Swain being that number three. But Marquise Goodwin has done a great job, man. He had on six targets, he had five receptions for 95 yards, one touchdown late. That kind of gave you a glimmer of hope if you get an onside kick. We'll see what happens there. We talked about DK and Tyler Lockett. We'll Uncle Will Disley had two for 20. Colby had one catch for 10. Travis Homer had two for eight. Jones had one catch, no yards there. Not a lot in this group, but enough to keep them competitive. Yeah, I absolutely love what we saw there. Again, 21 receptions, 264 yards. They did enough stuff, got in the end zone three times, just not quite enough to get this job done for the Seahawks. But like they do here at the VMAC, it's a Monday. We tell the truth, then we flip the page over. We're playing arguably the best team in the NFC right now and definitely in this division. The San Francisco 49ers coming into town. That's why we kind of sped through the Panthers. Watch that tape out of mouth. It's over. New blood coming into town. Let's get into those 49ers with What's on Tap. What's on Tap. 
Nine and four bump. First place in the NFC West, as it pains me to say, but it is what it is. They've had an interesting year. They took a loss to the Bears in the Broncos in two of their first three games, which is crazy to think about how well they're playing now, that those are two of their losses on the schedule. They beat the Seahawks in week two, pretty handling 27 to seven. They beat the Rams, Panthers, Rams, Chargers, Cardinals, Saints, Dolphins, Bucks. They're on a six-game winning streak right now, Bump, and they're balling. There's no other way to say it. They got a lot of weapons, and they're just playing well despite the injuries to Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, but they're making it work with Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. Yeah, man, Bur- Purdy playing Purdy Ooh. out there, man. I'll tell you that. He's got his dad out in the stands crying. <laughs> Let my son play varsity football. I am crying, let alone the NFL, man. And uh, against the Bucks, the Niners went up 28-0 at halftime, uh, got up to 35 before the Bucks finally got on board. And Purdy, 16-21, 185, two touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. His oblique is kind of jacked up. We'll see how healthy he is against these Seahawks. And he had some help. Christian McCaffrey had a day on the ground, 119 rushing yards, one touchdown on 14 carries. That's over about eight yards per carry. He also had 34 yards receiving. And a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk has had himself a really good year so far. He's leading the team in receiving yards. He had three receptions for 57 yards, one touchdown on defense. Dre Greenlaw had 15 tackles and one interception. Um, And then uh, asked Brady to sign in after the game, as he should, you know, because you're playing against the GOAT. Tom Brady struggled his first game this year where he had multiple interceptions. He was 35 to 55. 253, one touchdown. The Bucs were four for 16 on third down. You couldn't couldn't overcome three turnovers, man. You you have a team struggle on third, and you're turning that thing over against the 49ers, a team that's going to put up points and hold it down. Recipe for a tough day. Yeah, man. These Niners is again. I, I don't like to say it, bump, but they're playing ball and they're playing really good. Let's look at this head-to-head comparison, man. And offensively, they're solid. Ninth overall in off total yards. Ninth in rush offense. Thirteenth in pass offense. Eighth in points per game. But, Bump, where they make their mark is defense. Number one in total defense. Number one Mm -hmm. rush defense. Twelfth in pass defense. Number one in points allowed at 15.2, Bump. And, yeah, they're shutting people down. At one point, they went like eight quarters, not giving them no points. I mean, it's just been been a lot to see. We're going to get into their matchups and some of the guys they have on defense, Bump. But when you look at this head-to-head, wow, it's tough because the Niners are doing a lot of good things defensively. Hey, on paper, on paper, the Niners should have the advantage, right? You talk about their defense, number one. Offense, they're still ranked number nine. Number nine rush offense, number 13 pass offense, number eight when it comes to points per game. This is probably the most balanced team that the Hawks will play this year. But like I say, anybody can get it. It looks good on paper. Still got to go out and play the game. So, yes, the Niners should be favored in this game. But this is the NFL. We got guys, too. Yeah, and the Seahawks aren't, you know, they slid a little bit, but they're 13th overall on offense. They're ninth in pass offense, and they're still six in points per game. So they can score points. It's just about what they can do defensively because that's going to be a huge thing in this matchup. But these teams are very familiar with each other. We know they've been rivals in the NFC West for a long time. Let's know the history. Know your history. Seahawks lead the all-time series 30-18, 29-18 in the regular season, 1-0 in the postseason. We remember that NFC Championship game. The Hawks have also won four of the last five meetings. And honestly, in week two bump, that was Seahawks' worst game of the season. All three yeah. phases of the game, the Niners just played better football. They led 20-0 at halftime. 
only points the Seahawks scored was a block pump by Tariq Woolen, ran back by Mike Jackson. They dominated time of possession. They had 25 first downs. Seahawks had 14. Hawks turned the ball over three times. Niners don't turn it over. They run 70 plays. Hawks run 47. Pretty hard to win the game like that, and they had two chances in that game. Remember, they had a good drive, and they had the four running back formation. Fortunately, DJ Dallas throws an interception. Later in the game, the Seahawks get a stop, but Xavier Crawford gets blocked in Tyler Lockett. They muff that. They score on that drive. So that game, there's not a lot of good tape you can get from that game bump. They just did not play well, and this is what it is. That was early in the season. So I'm just going to speak it out there into the existence. You said it. Anyone can get it on every any given Sunday. I'm hoping the Seahawks can rebound, have a different game plan because it's going to be tight in this short week, but I'm hoping we have a different result. But we'll check in with the rest of the NFC West. What's the word? Where my soldiers at? West side. Where my soldiers at? West side. And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? What we're about to play, division leaders, 49ers, they're on top of the division at 9-4. and four. Seahawks behind them at 7-6. and six. The Cardinals are 4-8, and eight, and the Rams are 4-9. and nine. The chances the Hawks have to win the division are now in big-time jeopardy. They're two games behind the 49ers, and uh, it's going to be a huge game on Thursday night. It's going to be good, man. Not to mention, the Niners have won six games in a row. It's going to be tough. Now, we talked about the Bucks and the Niners already. Uh, the Cardinals will play tonight on Monday Night Football against the Patriots after a bye last week. The Cardinals are 4-8. and eight. Playing for pride at this point. Hey, hey, go yo. down swinging. Go down fighting. That's what they're doing. <laughs> uh, but the Rams versus the Raiders, man. Big win on Thursday night last week. The... Uh, as they beat the Raiders 17 to 16 after a game winning 98 yard touchdown mm. drive by newly acquired Baker Mayfield. Baker is back. I'm just going to say Baker's Uh-oh. back. Baker. <laughs> it was a pretty impressive win, man. Uh, Baker Baker's Mayfield showed up on a Tuesday, played on a Thursday. If that ain't Amazon Prime for you, I don't know what else is, man. He's the epitome of Amazon, Amazon Prime getting it done on a Thursday. No question about it. He's playing for his NFL life, right, Bump? I mean, We'll yeah. see what happened with Stafford in his career, but if Mayfield can show he can kind of do a couple things in this last week, it'll be interesting because we saw things ended in Cleveland and in Carolina. So we'll see about Baker, and we'll we'll see him in Week 18, hopefully with some playoff implications. You feel me? Right. I'm with that. I'm with that. But let's get back to these 49ers. A lot of matchups to quickly get through, and <laughs> there's some good players on this list. It's time to man up. Hey, who is this? Man up on Hawk Talk. Brock Purdy, as Bump would say. Who is Brock Purdy? Well, he's known for being a Mr. Irrelevant. That's the last pick in the NFL draft. Played his college ball at Iowa State. And I'll say this real quick, man. Stop disrespecting the last pick in the draft. That person still got <laughs> drafted. That's better than um, most of the people walking the face of this earth, man. This isn't necessarily a Brock Purdy thing. This is a Mr. Irrelevant thing. I don't think it should be such a diss. As I told you last night, the person who's drafted right before Mr. Irrelevant gets no shade. He just gets to live his no life shade. in the seventh round. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox there. Four-year starter with the Cyclones. Throw for over 12,000 yards, 81 touchdowns, 33 interceptions. Also ran for almost 1,200 yards and 19 rushing touchdowns. First team all Big 12, 2020-2021, Fiesta Bowl Offensive MVP in 2020. He's played in five games this year. He's really only played in three, two of the other games, and he came in and handed the ball off to a couple knees. Uh, In those games, he's 45-67, 461 yards, 
Four touchdowns, two interceptions, QB rating of 94.2. Now, he played most of the game against Miami, coming in for an injured Jimmy G, and then only has one start, and that was last week against Tampa. Against Miami, he was 25 at 37, 210, two touchdowns, a pick. Against Tampa, 16 at 21, 185, two touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown. He's a good athlete, Bump. When you look at him, he's making plays. There isn't a lot of tape out there on him. He's only played a couple weeks, um, but he's playing good football. He did suffer an oblique injury in the win over Tampa. Coach Shanahan feels optimistic for his status. Said Purdy didn't lead the game because of it, but because of the lopsided score. So we'll see kind of see what he's looked like for Thursday. If he can't go, I believe it's Jones who's played for like a million different teams who's the other backup quarterback <laughs> behind him. We talked about their offense. We know how the Seahawks have struggled in total defense. They're 28th giving up 378 per game. So it'll be interesting to see. If we can make Brock Purdy beat the Seahawks, that's going to be a huge thing because while he's played good football, he hasn't been asked to go win a game yet in the NFL. He's only played a couple games. So that's the game plan. If you can shut everything else down, make Brock Purdy beat you, I think it'll be good for the Seahawks. Make the youngster look young. Another matchup, Geno Smith versus the 49ers defense. We know that there are some balls, man. Geno struggled a bit against the Panthers last week, 21-36, 264, three touchdowns, two interception, pass rating of 85.9. His worst game of the year, but yet they still had a chance to win. Geno, man, third game this season with a pass rating less than 99. That's how good this guy has been playing. We talked about his multiple touchdown passes in seven straight games. That's the longest of his career, the longest in the NFL this season. He's got 11 games with at least two touchdowns. That is the best in the league. He's having a good year. He now has 25 touchdown passes. That is the most in his NFL career. He has, he's completing 71.5% of his passes. That's number one in the league. He's sixth when it comes to passing yards, 3,433. Fourth when it comes to touchdowns, 25th. Talked about the numbers, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, and 52 carries, 243 and one touchdown. He's going up against the number one defense in the league, allowing 286 yards per game. Going to be a big week for Geno this evening. He can push the ball down the field, and the Niners are 12th against the pass, allowing 211 yards per game. Let's just shock the world. Come on, Geno. Let's get it. I'm with you, Bump. We can get it done. If anyone can do it, it's Geno. We believe in you. And Bump, we've noticed a little bit. Get back to wearing your suits. I feel like every time you wear your suits, yeah. you ball out. So let's go suit game yeah. the rest of the way. Suit game rest of the way, and we'll be straight. <laughs> Other matchup, Christian McCaffrey against the Seahawks front seven. Another tall order. It seems like every season the 49ers have a lot of movement at the running back position. This year it's the same. Eliza Mitchell been sidelined six to eight weeks with a knee injury. Second time he's been out this season with a knee injury. I think he injured the other one this time. They traded Jeff Wilson Jr. at the trade deadline to Miami. So they decided to make a big move. Go ahead and get Christian McCaffrey. And they sent a lot to get him now. 2023 second, a third, fourth round pick as well as a fifth-round pick in 2024 for McCaffrey. So they put all their chips in to win right now. And McCaffrey really struggled to stay healthy in 2020 and 2021. He only played 10 games in those two seasons. But he's been all good this year, playing in all 13 games, having a good year overall, 819 yards, five touchdowns. And then he has 68 receptions, 593, and four touchdowns. In his limited time with the 49ers, he's got 89 carries, 426 yards, three touchdowns as well as 35 receptions, 316 yards, and three touchdowns. So he's been balling, and we know the Seahawks defense has been struggling. Allowed 838 rush yards the last four weeks. That's a lot of yards. Obviously not good enough. The Seahawks have a higher standard there, hoping they get that figured out because they have the guys to do it. And while we're talking about explosive guys, Debo is a receiver, but he lines up a running back too, so I thought I'd slot him in here. 
He left Sunday's game with a left ankle injury. Status for Thursday is up in the air, and I would be shocked, Bump, if he's out there. I saw what happened to his knee. Kind of got folded up like a pretzel. So that'll be huge for the Seahawks because he's having a really good year too. But it would just be, obviously, wish no, you wish good health on everybody, but if he's not playing, it's going to help this team out because he's a dynamic weapon, and the Seahawks already have their hands full with just Christian McCaffrey for sure. Yeah, one less man to worry about, but we all know that they uh, they got some guys, man. And defensively, they got one of the best guys in the league, Nick Bosa, man. He's a problem for everybody this year. Don't matter who you are, where you're playing. You see Bosa out there. He's going to be a problem. He's got 39 tackles, 14 and a half sacks, 15 tackles for losses, one forced fumble, and 43 QB pressure. He has 14 and a half sacks, leads the NFL. In the first game against Seattle in week two, he had four tackles, two sacks, and five QB hits now charles i'm in Hinu. sure i'm in uh, i'm in Hinu. i'm gonna You're go close. with that all right he's second on the team in sacks he has just four so it was like all right if bosa's not doing it then you really don't have to worry about anybody else but you do because this is the nfl and these guys can get it done but the majority of the pressure comes from bosa he's coming off a pro bowl season in 2021 where he had 52 tackles and 15 and a half sacks safe to say he's gonna pass that number up 21 tfls that led the league in 32 qb hits it's all about Abe Lucas and Charles Cross, man. Uh, the second time they're going to see this guy, let's see how they do against him. They've seen a lot of great pass rushes this season. On the season, uh, Lucas has allowed six sacks. Cross has allowed five. They had their handful Sunday to say the least. Nick Bosa is that dude, man. Nick Bosa is that dude. He's going to be hard to take. I know guys like Richard Sherman and everyone going back and forth, whether he should be the defensive player of the year or not, definitely going to be in consideration because that boy balling. Now flipping over to the Seahawks side, running the football against the 49ers front seven. Biggest question mark in the room right now is the Seahawks running game. Ken Walker, James ankle, missed last week's game. DJ Dallas had an ankle injury, missed the Panthers game. Travis Homer did return. He did have just 26 yards on nine carries, 16 of them coming on one run. He played 91% of the play, so he was kind of taking over as a lead back. Tony Jones Jr. played a little bit, but he only had five snaps on offense. Ken Walker's presence was missed. We all know that. I mean, he's a dynamic runner. He was not able to get out there. But right now, whoever's running the ball bump, it don't matter because the 49ers don't play. Number one in total defense and number one against the run. I'm not going to go through everything on this stat sheet here, but I'll just leave you with this. The 49ers have played 13 games this year, right? They have not allowed any individual running back, or person for that matter, to rush for more than 59 yards. Now it's against Atlanta. They're shutting people down. They've only had three games this season where teams have ran for more than 100 yards, 112 to KC, 168 to Atlanta, and 101 to Denver. So the rest of them, they are shutting them down. Most of those games, they're only giving up 75 yards a game. In comparison, the Seahawks have only had three games this year where they held an opponent to less than 122 yards. So it's going to be tough, man. They got some studs, Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw. They have been balling out this year. They've played together for a long time. So the Seahawks are going to have to bring it, man. They're going to have to be creative. Shane Walden's going to have to get in his bag like he has been at times this year with the three tight end sets. And hopefully Ken Walker is healthy because they're going to need him because this run defense is no joke, Bob. Tall order. Hopefully Ken Walker's healthy, ready to go. We got the whole gang because it's going to take everybody to get this done. Uh, George Killerman, one of the best tight ends versus Seahawks linebacker and secondary, man. No doubt. He is one of the best. He missed the first matchup in week one, so we get to see him for the first time. On the season, he's got 42 receptions, 500 yards, four touchdowns. Um, and he, he gets it done in the pass game and in the run game. He will go up top and catch the football on you, uh, run after the catch, and he also is good when it comes to blocking. Now, 
Let's talk about the other pass catchers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett versus the secondary. We got Tavarius Ward, Jimmy Ward, and Demond. <laughs> oh my. How do you say that? Uh, Lenore. I'm just going to go with Lenore. Uh, Lenore. Do you mind? Okay. I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry, guy. I apologize, 49ers. I do not know how to say oh, his I'm name, but we'll go with Lenore. Right. Secondary. Y'all not listening to this anyway. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, uh, the wards are not related. It's just a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> but DK and Tyler, man, they're coming off another solid performance. They both have five receptions over 60 yards and a touchdown on the season. Both these guys are balling, man. Metcalf, 72 receptions, 869 and six touchdowns. Lockett, 71 receptions, 896 and eight touchdowns. If there's a hole in the Niners defense, it might be through the air. Now, they're ranked number 12 in the NFL, allowing two eleven per game, but they have allowed some big performances. Tyreek Hill gets everybody. He had 146 against them. D-Hop, nine receptions, 91. Cooper Cup, eight receptions for 79 and a touchdown. He had 14 for 122 earlier in the season as well. Judy Smith-Schuster, this is what makes me excited because I don't think he's this guy anymore. He has seven and 124. If he can do it, we can do it. Then you have Marquez, Valdez, Scatlin have three for 111. Travis Kelsey has six for 98. Cortland Sunday had eight for 97. And Tyler Lockett had nine for 107 in their week two matchup. There is yards out there through air. Gino, Lockett, DK, tight ends. If you can catch a football, catch that thing and get busy, There, there's a weakness on this defense. Absolutely. If you're going to find one there, I mean, those guys, three of those dudes play for the Kansas City Chiefs, so we know how good they are, but there's performances to be had. <laughs> People can get behind the secondary. 12th isn't bad, but if you're looking for a weakness in the number one rated defense, bump, I think we found it. We know how good our guys are, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. They can stretch the field. We just need to protect long enough to get, you know, have those routes develop, have things come underneath, the tight ends get involved. I think things can happen. And me and Michael Bumpus are going to tell you why and how the Seahawks can get this victory. And we're going to show you the path, path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is... Good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Real simple bump. Hawks got to play their best game this season. It's straight up. The Niners are, they're 9-4, and four, but they are at the stretch where they're playing their best football six yep. in a row. Seahawks got to find a way to stop the run. Slow down the 49ers rushing attack. They've allowed over 200 yards per game over the last four weeks. Tape is out there. Teams are going to run the ball until Seahawks can shut it down. And I'm hoping this is a week. I know they have a complicated scheme. I know Shanahan's a great offensive mind. I know they have good players in McCaffrey. But see, the Seahawks know these guys. Pete Carroll knows Kyle Shanahan. He's dominated this matchup, even in games where they were not expected to win. So if there's going to be a week that the Seahawks can figure something out and turn around and throw something at them in this run game, I think it's this week, and hopefully they can skip that run stop. Now, you know I'm not hating on the last pick in the draft because I wouldn't even draft it. Free <laughs> yep. agent. Over here. So, uh, but I'm going to tell you to make Purdy beat you. What does that look like, man? You got to shut down the run and make him throw that thing. We know that they're probably going to be missing Debo Samuel, but you got to get pressure up front. And on offense, you just got to take care of the football, man. We come out the very first play for scrimmage last game. We turn the football over. You have another turnover later on in the game. Take care of the rock. Be that offense that we know and we love. We know that they're out there. And the Hawks are facing the best run defense in the league. Whoever starts at running back, they need nine and more carries. And you need to find a way to keep this thing balanced. 
No question about it. I think it can get done. I'm, I'm playing out the good thoughts for Ken Walker and DJ and everyone to get back and ready to rock. And then you said it in our last little segment, exploit that secondary. If there's a weakness, it's in the secondary. That's a place where I feel like the Seahawks do have a clear advantage with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, the best receiving duo in the National Football League. And bump, it's a division game. It's a short week. Anything can happen. Anyone can get beat. Anyone can Come get on. got in any given week. And here's the thing. We've given the 49ers all their props. The Seahawks have good players. They're still 7-6. and six. They've still been doing things this year. They can get it done. They're going to shock the world on Thursday Night Football, and we're going to have a great time telling you all about it on Friday. Until next time, it's been Michael Bumpus. I'm Nasa Chobi. We will be back on Friday with the recap edition as the Seahawks take on the 49ers at Lumen Field on Thursday night. It's going to be crazy. Remember, the game's only on Amazon Prime, but when you're listening on the radio, you can catch us on 710 Seattle Sports. Pre-game show starts at 2 p.m. After Bump and Stacey get things going on the pre-pre-show from 10 to 2. Until next time, he's Michael Bumpus. I'm Nasa Chobi. This has been the preview edition of Hawk Talk. We'll talk to you on Friday.